We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're reviewing the games from the weekend and looking forward to the Super Bowl on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Hey everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz. I am joined by Matthew Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. We are brought to you tonight by my bookie. And let's just start right off, Matt. Uh 49ers Chiefs will be meeting in the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the games in a second, but high level. Uh is this surprising to you in any way? No, I mean, I think if you uh, would have had to pick at like in the middle of the season, uh, the teams likely to meet in the Super Bowl, you would have said on the one side, it probably would have been either Chiefs, Ravens, or Patriots. And then on the other side, you would have said probably 49ers or Saints. Uh, so to get to the point of where we are now, uh, definitely not surprising, especially considering that the Patriots tailed off and then the Saints lost in round one. So uh, the path was really cleared for this to be the outcome. Yeah, I mean, once we saw the Saints go out um, on the NFC side, I think 49ers were clearly the favorite. As I don't believe that either of us were really sold on Green Bay due to some inconsistent play that we saw from them throughout the season. In terms of how that game unfolded, though, really, we saw San Francisco dominate early. The Packers were able to kind of get back into the mix, but it never really felt to me like they were truly in striking distance. How good are the Niners? Uh, one second, let me back up. Did I say earlier that the Patriots didn't make the playoffs? Did I say that? I think I actually said that. That's I, I'm I'm tired. I shouldn't do a podcast when I'm tired. Okay. But anyway, point being, yeah, they yep. 
Patriots also lost in the first round. Uh, how good are the 49ers? Um, I think they're really good. They they feel like a, a totally complete team. Though, ironically, the one thing that seems to be the weakest about them is Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, you <laughs> like you wouldn't have expected that given how it was that he started his time with the 49ers, uh, you know, being traded in the middle of the season, coming in off of the bench, uh, leading the team to five straight victories to close out the 2017 season. Um, you wouldn't expect that he would be. And it's not as if I can really even say that he's like the weakness or a clear weakness. It's just that he's not the shining strength of this team. And normally, uh, you know, a, a quarterback is the strength of his team, especially when that team makes it this far into the postseason. You just have to look at the other side of it. And Patrick Mahomes is clearly the strength of the Chiefs. Like he is the reason why they are here. And for the 49ers, you could think of maybe like three or four other reasons why they are in the Super Bowl other than Jimmy Garoppolo. It is definitely an interesting thing that we have going on there. I think it was just six passes completed by Garoppolo, um, which is just not the type of thing that you expect. Obviously, a huge day from Raheem Mostert. How good is Mostert, or do you think that this is just um, the fact that he's in the right place at the right time, as we have seen Tevin Coleman have success back there, we've seen Matt Breida as well, and do you think if we were to interchange him with Coleman, who still might be dealing with injury, and I think that Mostert in the Super Bowl will be the guy that they go to first, uh, but I think you kind of get where I'm going with this. Is this Mostert, or is this the situation? Uh, it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, Mostert was always a uh, a preseason superstar, and I'm always a little too partial to those guys, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he looks explosive when he runs. Uh, it, it's hard to, to say that he's not talented, given what he's done, and it's not as if this is a, a one-game sample or a, a one season sample uh it's I mean he's been limited in his usage but this year he was productive last year he was productive I mean the year before that he had only six carries but like he was good on those six carries you know like for his career he has six yards per carry and is for 178 carries like that's not a huge amount of carries but that's pretty that's pretty good and he's He's pretty good as a receiver, too. So I think there's a lot of reason to be enthusiastic about him. Um, so is he good? I think he's good enough. And a lot of it is the scheme and the situation. But I don't think we should say that like Raheem Mostert is an untalented player. What I would say uh, is he's like old. He's like 27, right? He's going to be 28 next year. If you happen to have him in a dynasty league, I think you have to try to sell him immediately. Um, but other than that, yeah, like I like him. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Mostert, um, to close out the season from week 12 on when, went at, uh, like around 11 plus points, every game had a couple performances over 20, uh, three performances over 20, then we see him be extremely impressive so far in the postseason. But like you said, he's an older player. So those of us in Dynasty, I think the point that you made there is true, should probably be looking to see what we can get for Mostert right now. 
what about people that maybe are looking for a guy they can get onto the roster for just one season or even as we start to look ahead to redraft in 2020 how much appeal is there for him given the fact that uh again it's a team which has multiple players in the backfield uh i think he's going to be extremely overdrafted next year <laughs> me too um, yep. so he's someone i would actually be looking to fade and it's it's not because he doesn't have talent, but um, he is older. He doesn't have an established role. Um, I really doubt that they are going to load him up as the full-time lead back next year because they do have other players. Uh, so, I mean, if there's if for some reason, like he he goes on a massive run in the playoffs uh, and then there's a lot of hype building for him and he's being drafted like in the fourth or fifth round, like I'm just going to think that's way too high. Yeah, I would completely, completely agree with that. Uh, I think the only way that Mostert could get that high for me would be some situation which isn't going to happen where you have Coleman and Brita both entirely gone from the team. Before we move on, though, from wrapping up that one, any closing thoughts on the Packers or takeaways from this season? I guess the the things that I'm interested about are, and we've talked about before that Aaron Jones can't repeat the level of you know touchdown production that he had but do you see him being a top five back next season as far as Aaron Rodgers go Aaron Rodgers goes are we ever going to see him be you know one of those elite fantasy quarterbacks again and were you impressed by any of the receivers other than Devontae Adams in 2019 that's a lot so I'll kind of just let you take that yeah you want it. uh Aaron Jones um I don't know. I'm still a little bit pessimistic on him because I think a lot of things worked out for the uh, for the Packers that might not work out moving forward. Um, and as we mentioned, he did get a lot of touchdowns, uh, and I think there will be some regression there. He's an explosive player. I wouldn't want him in the top five. I I guess I'd be more comfortable with him. Uh, you know, in the like. 10 to 12, 10 to 15 range, but I doubt he will last that long. I bet he'd be taken higher. So I will probably be out on him. Um, Aaron Rodgers, hard to say. Um, you know, there were times when he he looked good and you look at the final numbers and it looks like he had a good game, but a lot of that came uh, in garbage time. And so you can kind of see that reflected in his uh, uh, QBR rating uh, as opposed to like his quarterback rating. Um, so it's hard. I could see like, it's another season in the offense that he's in. So if he progresses the way that a quarterback typically progresses in his second year in a new system, then maybe because he's still, you know, it's hard to say where he is. Like, is he a top 10 quarterback or is he now like a QB two, just in terms of like his overall skill set and ability? Um, I think he could be a mid-range quarterback one next year, but uh, I don't know. I probably won't be that interested in him because I would just rather wait and draft someone who's going to go after him. <laughs> um, at the wide receiver position, or just the pass-catching options in general, they need to do something because Devontae Adams is good, but he can't carry everything. Uh, impressed a little bit with Alan Lazard, you know, like uh, undrafted guy. Uh, you know, started to break out a little bit, had some flashes, but um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's the long-term answer as a number two guy. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be surprising to see them draft someone uh, in the first or second round. And then Jimmy Graham, uh, I mean, I know he had four receptions for 59 yards, but 
I don't know. I, I think he's he's pretty dusty at this point, and uh, I I would not be disappointed if he retired this offseason. <laughs> All right. But, I mean, like Jimmy Graham, um, like at one point looked like he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and I don't think he gets there. And like the longer he plays, the less he looks like the guy who was awesome at one point. You know, like the I think the more it almost kind of like hurts the reputation of what Jimmy Graham used to be. Yeah, I know. I I understand um, how that perception makes its way into things. Um, it's funny too. Uh, for certain players, it's like if you can keep up to some level of production, that becomes something that gets looked upon favorably, especially I think at the running back position, but for a tight end like Graham, it certainly is not helping his case. Uh, Final thing to close on the Packers, pretty good opening season, I would say for Matt LaFleur. Yeah. I mean, great opening season. (laughs) Pretty much. The the one thing that's kind of funny is that they, you know, even like entering this game, they had uh, an overwhelmingly positive against the spread record. So like, it would look like they really um, outperformed expectations, but they were covering these games often by just like a half a point or a point. Uh, and, and so like they're overall like against the spread record and then their 13 and three record um, that is almost certain to regress. Um, or maybe they improve and that improvement meets the records that they've had previously. But uh, normally it doesn't work like that. So my final thing I want to mention here, this is. I don't even know what I would call this a fun little fact. Did you know that uh, LaFleur played professional football in the Champions Indoor Football League for a team named the Omaha Beef? I did not know that. (laughs) I just discovered this real quickly looking at his uh, Wikipedia bio, and that is just a shocking thing that there's a team named the Omaha Beef. And he also played for a team named the Billings Outlaws, which I, I, I think that's a better name for a uh, team another indoor football team i don't i don't even know um like what league that's in and what state billings is in oh of course you know what state billings is in no i really don't really it's in montana i'm actually i guess maybe there's no reason i guess i think i've heard people talk about billings and skiing but maybe you're not encountering as many people as i am that are really into skiing i work from home I don't talk with anybody. Yeah, but no, what I mean is, what I mean is like growing up around, yeah. you know, where I'm from, people ski all the time. Yeah. So, um, all right, maybe no, that's why. I, I grew up all in right. Texas. I don't know why anyone would leave that state to go anywhere else. <laughs> as, far, as far as we're concerned, there are no other cities in any other states outside of Texas. That is what I've heard. Well, it is a huge yeah. state. So, um, all right. Moving along. Uh, actually, though, before I before we get too much further along, quick reminder to get that 10% uh, RotoViz podcast listener discount by going to the podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. I also want to remind everybody that you're going to want to go to mybookie.ag and get yourself set up if you're not already on my bookie tremendous site great place to place your bets quick payouts excellent customer service you know that you can trust them and if you have not got in on the betting action there is probably not a more fun time to do it than the super bowl and next episode we're going to be talking about some of the awesome um 
prop bets too for the rookie class. So if you're looking to get your NFL fix, um, even though the season is coming to an end, there are ways to do it. All right, so let's shift over to the AFC. Tennessee goes up early over Kansas City. We see the Chiefs work their way back. Were you impressed at how well Tennessee was able to start that game, especially uh, just given the fact that we saw Ryan Tannehill in his first season with the team, not even the starter to begin the season, make his way in and then carry this team to almost, in a way, making it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, Um Okay, I'm trying to think of like, okay, so yes, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that the Titans were in the playoffs and that they had to go to Ryan Tannehill and uh, that they were playing in the uh, AFC championship game, like I I would be impressed that they went up um, by what was it like 17 to seven at one point. But um, based on how they have played the last couple of weeks and based on what they had to do to get here, I don't think it's like it wasn't surprising that they went ahead 17 to seven because their strength, the running game matched up perfectly with the greatest weakness that the chiefs have. And that's their run defense. So you could easily see how they could at one point get ahead 17 to seven, but like, it's not a surprise that the chiefs were able to come back because they're an explosive team and the Titans, you know, as dynamic as they have been uh, at various points in the season, they're just, they're not an explosive team the way that the Chiefs are. Right. Um, AJ Brown, um, I just want to just mention again, I am so excited about his his outlook. Yeah. Um, not not that he had like a um tremendous game. I actually don't know what his line was. I think it was just like three of six for maybe like fifty yards, no touchdowns. But just again, seeing him out there just just made me really excited about him. Yeah, he he made um, some some big catches and like you know yard after the run type of moves. Um, if he wins uh, offensive rookie of the year, like I will be happy for him and very sad for my investments because he's like the one guy who has a chance of winning that I have no exposure to. Like if anyone else wins, basically, uh, I I make money. And if he wins, uh, I I lose everything that, that I've invested into the, the rookie class. So uh, I am awaiting that anxiously. Yep. Um, another running back that I want to talk with you about here, Damian Williams. Should people be sold on him in the Chiefs backfield by now? But my question being, if he is, uh, you know, if he's the lead back for the Chiefs when we open the season next year, should people be viewing him as a top option? I don't know. No, um, you because know, he's going to be another year older. Um, he's never really been able to handle uh, like the rigors of being a full time back, especially like the running aspect of that. Like he can handle the receiving workload um, as a full time back, but he just. You know, like if he if he goes above 12 carries per game on a regular basis, uh, he starts to wear down. And um, I don't know, like that offense is just geared through the air anyway. So like you always have to wonder, like how how much production is he really going to get on a on a consistent basis? But um, I don't know, like if if McCoy is gone and if it's just Damian Williams and Darwin Thompson, uh, then maybe. The thing that kind of scares me is the idea that Daryl Williams 
could be back next year and he could be the goal line guy. Because if if you are investing in Damian Williams, you're basically hoping like three things. One, that he stays healthy. Two, that he continues to get a lot of the receiving workload. And then three, even if he's not a good runner, he still gets uh, like almost all of the goal line carries. And if Daryl Williams comes in as the vulture, like that really hurts the investment case for Damian Williams. Yeah, that was one of the points I was going to get to, because when I'm recalling the game yesterday in my mind, he did have 17 carries. So I feel like, you know, he had a lot of work. You know, I know he got in the end zone. It felt pretty good. But when you really look back upon it, still only 45 yards, did have five receptions. But kind of the point is we have those guys behind him that could eat away in both phases you start to take away some of the touchdowns and from week to week, maybe we're not looking at as strong of a candidate uh, for a high draft pick next season as I would like. Yeah. So I think I'm on board with you there. Um, any closing thoughts on either of these teams before we move forward to the Super Bowl? No, let's get to the Super Bowl. All right. So obviously we have the Kansas city chiefs matching up against the San Francisco 49ers. The opening line that I saw was one and a half with Kansas city being favored. Did you see something different? Yeah, so you can, like this opened anywhere from like two and a half to a pick. And it's kind of still like lingering at a two at one book and one at other books. Um, and so that's that's pretty much where it is. And to give uh, some sort of sense of what the market is doing, um, 42% of the bets, but 49% of the money has been uh been devoted to san francisco and so you know that would indicate that the the larger you know like quote unquote sharper bets uh are backing the 49ers right now that's i don't know did you find that surprising at all or um no i i kind of feel like yeah go i ahead. mean the 49ers like you can see i mean i think this is a, a coin toss game you know, like I think it, it really is pretty evenly matched. And so I think the, you know, I think people are just kind of looking at it and saying, okay, I can see how the 49ers win this game. And right now they're underdogs. Uh, I'm going to bet on them. You know, I think that's what it is. Yeah, that that for sure makes sense. You know, the, the first thing, and I'm curious to get your take on this, when I start to think about this game is I do think about the fact that the Chiefs are going to score points. San Francisco has been tremendous on the ground. We don't have the strongest sense of how the 49ers could respond if they need to push things down the field through the air. As you start to think about this game, is that one of the concerns that you have uh, for those people that are pro-San Francisco? Okay, so it's it's good that you bring this up, and I, I do want to think through this a little bit. Um, yep. I think... So I think the 49ers are the more complete team. And I think that their running game matches up well with the running defense that the the Chiefs have. Like that is their clear weakness. And as as good as the Ravens were running the ball this year, I think the 49ers have been almost as good at running the ball. Like they're very inventive with what they do. They have a lot of pre-snap motion. Um, you know, they're cycling guys in and out of the backfield. They have a great uh, blocking tight end and Kittle. They have a great blocking fullback. Like they, they just, they're a complete team, like from the running game perspective. 
So I think like what they can do on the ground matches up well with the weakness that the Chiefs have. And so I think with the ground game, uh, they can keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline better than most teams probably could. But if they have to get into a shootout, like I say that Jimmy Garoppolo is like not the big strength of this team, but you know, he did get in a shootout with the saints, you know, and they won 48 to 46. Um, they did get in a shootout with the Rams in week 16 and they won 34 to 31. You know, I, they did just score 37 points this last week. Uh, and they have, one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best defense in the league, and you know, particularly strong in pass defense. Um, number one, uh, let me rephrase that top two, but I still think they're probably number one if you count only the games Shaquisky Tart played. So I'd say number one in uh, pass defense DVOA against tight ends. Uh, and you know, Kelsey is a really tough matchup, but I think they can they can do a pretty decent job of slowing him down. Um, they're also strong in pass defense against running backs. And I think that's where Damian Williams is at his best. Uh, I think they, I don't know. I think they will struggle to stop Tyree kill. Um, because Sherman, as good as he is, um, he's not quite as good against the smaller speedy guys because Sherman is more of a, a press man corner. And, uh, you know, those guys can sort of struggle with someone of Tyree kills talent who can just, if he gets by him, then he's gone. So, um, that is a weakness, but I think you can make a pretty compelling case for how it is that the, uh, the 49ers are able to move the ball against the chiefs, how they can respond in a shootout if it comes to that. And then how on the defensive side of the ball, they are good enough to, not to uh, like erase what Patrick Mahomes can do, but good enough to slow him down. And in the 12 games they've had with uh, D Ford on the field, um, they've held opponents to 15 and a half points. Like they, they're an, an immensely talented unit. Definitely. Um, I don't think you can take that away from them. So I, I don't know if we've been able to parse out and if you're not ready yet to make this statement, have you made a decision in your mind and are you are you significantly uh, more in favor of putting your money on one side of this line than the other? Yeah, I've already I've already bet on uh, San Francisco at one and a half. And oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, one and a half point favorites like it's, yep. you know, I, I don't mind it. Um, And I'm going to you know, see where this line goes. It wouldn't surprise me if it did go uh, a little bit more towards San Francisco as the week goes on. Um, you know, so I, I feel like I'm getting some some closing line value there. But, you know, really it's a toss-up. And uh, my inclination was, okay, either I, you know, I, I get some closing line value or, you know, maybe it moves to the other side and I I try to grab a middle uh, you know, like maybe <laughs> like a, a middle on, on one with both sides. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can, I can see the case for the 49ers a little bit easier than I can see the case for the chiefs. Like the chiefs, it basically comes down to, we have Patrick Mahomes and he's awesome. Like that's, that's the case for the chiefs. Um, because the 49ers are better in 
every other comparison. Well, sure. Uh, I, I get I get your overarching point, but I mean, I do think that the skill players that the Chiefs have should count for something in this. Yeah. Okay. So I say Patrick Mahomes. I basically mean the passing game. So the the okay. passing game for the uh, for the Chiefs is better. But the running game is better for the 49ers. Uh, the run defense is better for the 49ers. The pass defense is better for the 49ers. They're probably just as good in uh, special teams. But, yep. you know, like it's it's comparable there either way. Um, and I don't know. Like, so I guess in this situation, it comes down to coaching. And I like Andy Reid a lot. But um, he has been known to make some really big mistakes <laughs> in key moments. Yep. Um, you know, Shanahan also has his moments of like letting the Patriots back from a 28 to three deficit in part because like he couldn't he couldn't coordinate the offense as successfully as he wanted to. Um, you know, and like that's not all on him. Some of that's the defense. Some of that is the head coach he was coordinating under. But yeah, Shanahan has his flaws, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I'm on the 49ers. That's, that's reasonable. Uh, final thing that we'll talk about before we close down this episode, the over under that I've seen is 55 thoughts yeah, on that. That's, so, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a tough yeah, one. So, um, that opened, uh, that opened at 51 and a half and it's been, oh my it's been God. bet up to 54 at most books, but 54 and a half, 55 at a couple of books. And, um, given how much that number has moved, uh, it's not surprising, uh, that 84% of the bets, uh, and 92% of the money is on the over, which, uh, like those are really smoking numbers. And I haven't taken it yet, but I will probably be on the under um, if it stays at 55. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I hear that because I honestly am, would not be shocked if we see this, this move up, which it sounds like you're still expecting. I mean, I don't know how much more can move up beyond 55 because <laughs> that is that yeah. is such an aggressive I mean, that, number. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, yep. And, you know, I think it's just it's being driven by uh, a lot of casual bettors. Uh, and people who are like, oh, the uh, the Chiefs score a lot of points and the 49ers score a lot of points. I'm going to bet on the over. But um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the Super Bowl teams tend to play a little bit tighter. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be on the under. I haven't bet it yet, but that's where I'm leaning. Yeah. Oh, if I if I had seen that 51, I definitely would have been on top of that. But the 55, it, it, not nearly as uh, obvious. Anyway, though, that will do it for our first episode of the week. Um, as always, please make sure that you rate, review, um, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks to my bookie for sponsoring the show. We will be back. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at DaveCabinFF. You can follow Matt at MattFTheOracle. Until next time, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.